Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? We are back for another episode of the Shark Pod. I've got my brother-in-law and your co-host out there in uh, in Glengarry. I used to live there for 20 years, so I forgot it. But uh, Mark Baker, how are you doing today? Good, Luke. Good to be here. You've, I see you've moved on uh, upwards to uh, Greystones. Me? Yeah, I'm in Greystones, living the dream here, um, Greystone Studios. Um, so... Today we are going through, uh, this is kind of a follow-up one on the the bonus episode that we did at the beginning of October. Um, just for any of those people who haven't been following uh, Koshtober uh, here on the Shark Pod, me and Mark, uh, usually we do something in October, some sort of challenge, some sort of um, um, just kind of like self-improvement um, exercise. Um, a lot of the time it is, a lot of the time we are talking about, you know, the the Joe Rogan style, uh, not drinking on October, sober October type uh, setup. Um, this year, because of <laughs> lots of different reasons, like me and Mark aren't really drinking that much anyway, and it seemed like uh, the odd glass of wine with a steak during the month wouldn't really be such a challenge. Um, so we skipped that, um, and we wanted to do something to kind of uh, better ourselves anyway. We had listened to a podcast on the Tim Ferriss uh, podcast with uh, Richard Koch, um, and Richard Koch is the author of many books, but uh, as I say, he's probably the most famous for the 80-20 principle. Um, so me and Mark thought about that, and we thought, you know what, let's make a challenge where we read four books uh, of his in October, um, as well as trying to eat clean, and um, I've actually got it here, Mark. We, we were saying that we we're going to try to drop 2% body fat in the month, um, as well as you know maintain muscle mass, stuff like that. We actually got a machine each that did that. Hey, Mark, uh, how did you... It, let, let's start there. Before we go into the four books that we chose to, to break down for the audience here, why don't we go yeah. into how, how did the physical uh, the physical part go? We said we were going to eat the four-hour body diet yeah. style, you know, paleo for the month. Um, how did it go? Well, on the strictness of it, um, I didn't find it that hard because I was kind of doing that anyway. So the month before I had said, right, I'll... I'll cut out bread and pasta and stuff. And just on the weekends, I'd have what I want. And I did that before. And it's actually not a bad way of doing things. And it's based on the the four-hour body, which is essentially kind of like paleo with a cheat day. And I extended that to a cheat weekend. Uh, but this time <clears throat> we said we'd... Uh, so I'd actually lost about half a stone nearly in in a month. Oh, wow. And I don't, I don't carry much weight anyway. So I, I was yeah. coming off the back of that. So yeah. that's why my... Uh, uh, improvements weren't great in in october but like on the on the scales but um actually doing it i thought i was quite strict i rarely went off like the odd time i think i might have had something that was uh wasn't paleo um yeah. but and but just on a saturday i'd i'd go nuts on a saturday and eat, eat what i wanted so okay. i didn't find it that hard so it's more um, like it's almost like a maintenance thing for you to kind of lock in the the there's a big there's a big difference between like Saturday, I've always done Saturdays and Sundays, whatever I want. Like, and yeah. I, I like donuts. I like pastries. Yeah. Like I'm not big into like pizzas or anything like that, but like, I like sweet things. Yeah. So, and the weekends I'm strict during the week. I think, I think it's a good way of doing things for some people who, who struggle with, um, with their weight or anything like that. I think 
it's worked. Not that I've ever had any weight problems, but it's it's quite achievable long term, I think, to do that. Yeah, exactly. Strict during the week, but go nuts on the weekend. Um, but I found it really hard to limit it to one day, you know, because I have, because with the kids, I can, even yeah. we'd be out, you know, and it's like there's a Teddy's ice cream at the end of a walk and I can't have that on a Sunday. It's just like, what's the point in that? Like, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. And like, you don't really need strict. to. You're, you're like, you're, I'd say, for want of a better word, naturally lean. You know, you're probably like an ectomorph type body. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, but I do, yeah, but like, and then there's the gym side of it. They were shut down, obviously, so I've done, yeah. I was going well there, and I didn't do much. I didn't yeah. try to. I was doing it up in the field before in the summer, you know, with the yeah. ropes and stuff and hanging off the crossbar and stuff, but not in the rain. It's yeah. a different story altogether. Yeah. <laughs> Completely different story. Um, I was a little bit the same, so like, like to be honest, this is the, the first time where I tried to kind of like clean up the diet and stuff like that, and I didn't really take uh, as much. Um, so like during the, I was doing well for the first few weeks as well. And then the lockdown came in, no, no gym, um, darker days, uh, me and my wife are expecting a child any day now. So it's kind of like, uh, I, I don't want to blame anyone here, but uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> kind of like sympathy. I'm kind of want to get involved when I'm, you know, we're nesting, you know? So, yeah. It's probably not the best time for you to be doing a challenge like that really. Yeah. When, it, when there's no really good reason to do it as opposed to just why not yeah you know exactly but like it's still like i'm down 1.6 uh kilos in the month which uh yeah. is a little bit less than I, I thought it would be i was thinking probably about five kilos usually when i turn on that type of um that type of approach but um during the week i wasn't being as uh as, as uh as clean as i could be so anyway so uh, i'll keep on keeping on with that until i get down to the my fighting weight um but the other part of the uh challenge for Koshtober was to read the four books. So the the yeah. four the four books that we have is one, um, the eighty twenty rule, which is the, the kind of the main one. This is a this is a a monster of a book for people uh, to go ahead and read. It's about I think it's four hundred pages or something like that. So it's a nice uh, long book. And to be honest, the first time I read that was back when I was in uh, university doing the masters in strategic management. Kosh is a big one for strategic management students. Um, he was. Uh, someone who was a, a big figure in uh, the management consulting game uh, kind of in the 80s and he's written a lot of books around what he's learned you know building really building winning strategies uh for his own businesses as well as uh you know businesses at the highest level so really kind of a monster of the kind of strategy uh, business strategy uh, sphere especially outside of academia he's kind of like the guy that's not a professor um, who writes these types of books so there's the 80 20 rule which we read there's the star principle my favorite book that he's wrote um or that he's written uh it is way shorter i mean you could probably read it in three or four hours um it's but it's really really impactful and i think we're gonna have a chat about some of the some of the stuff that we talked with uh the irish fire podcast host michael houghton um about kind of financial independence and stuff like that i think the star principle really ties in there so that'll be good we'll have a look at that um super connect uh, which is about networking that i just told mark before the podcast that i didn't really like um it was more just okay make sure that you uh, have good networks you know get out there and network talk to people we don't i mean we've we've talked about that on the podcast lots of times <laughs> do you mean so yeah i don't know if, I don't know if there is, is anything you can do to put you know, to to put that on steroids, you know, networking. I don't know. Like it's it's Let, it's about there's different strengths in in a network. You know, maybe we can go on to that. You know, there's, yeah. there's first connections, second connections. You know, uh, meaningful relationships, childhood relationships. 
you know yeah. you can i just don't think you can you can beat a relationship that's been built up in your younger years or through a whatever maybe it's a, <clears throat> a training contract in a, in a solicitor firm or an accounting firm or a or school if you're trying to connect with someone on the same level as you connected with someone when you're in school in your 40s i i just don't know if that's the, the same strength you know so it's almost yeah. start you start as young as you can yeah. Absolutely, and I think that's uh, this, that's actually covered the book. So we're just we'll finish up on that and on the end because there is a, a few differences, and you kind of covered a good synopsis of that <laughs> of the book okay. in a few sentences. It's almost like I've read it. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so there's there's uh, the last book that we're going to have a chat about is how to uh, how, was it? You've got the book in front of you there. What's the actual title? Um, so it's unreasonable success and how to achieve it. Nice. So that's the one that's out. Um, currently, it was came out. I think about. Uh, two months ago um so i've read that one as well and um, that one just does exactly what it says on the ten. it takes examples of i think 14 different uh unreasonably <laughs> successful people um and then kind of maps out what the what they have in common um and how to actually pull the trigger and do that yourself as well so we'll uh, we'll kick off here i think that if you look at those books in a, cro- a chronological um in chronological order uh, it gets for me it was most kind of high level and high impact at the beginning and then it, what it seems that he's tried to do over the last 20 or 30 years is kind of bring the 80 20 principle the star principle kind of to the masses with these books that like that's a very easy read the um the how to achieve the unreasonable success um and i think that it's it's definitely something that's accessible to not just business people but to some people that are trying to be successful in anything, which is great. Mm. Okay, so let's kick this off, right? So the first one, and the I think the most important one, is the eighty twenty principle. Anybody out there who's read the, I read anything by Tim Ferriss? Basically, if you read the eighty twenty twenty principle, you can see where a lot of the stuff is coming from. This is really the basis of uh, mm. what the four hour work week and everything that came out of that afterwards. Um, Richard Koch, the eighty twenty principle. Um, just for the people who haven't come up uh, come across this. Um, the eighty twenty principle is the the concept that uh, there is a skew in the the rate of returns. So basically, in anything in the universe. <laughs> um, so there was a guy; he was an economist called uh, Pareto, um, and this comes from Pareto's law, where he said, "Okay, eighty uh, percent of my peas are coming out of twenty percent of my pods in my garden. What's that about?" And then when you look into at companies, 80% of sales come from 20% of salespeople. Um, 80% of losses come from 20% of products. Um, and as he goes into the, the book, you see that these, it's not just 80-20. A lot of the time it's 95-5 or 99-1. And it kind of mm. talks to the concept that we're really seeing now that uh, in COVID world where it's, it's, not, it's not an equal distribution based on effort or merit. It's it's a winner take all. It's a, a zero sum game in a lot of the in a lot of businesses. Um, Amazon, like sometimes I laugh, Mark, when uh, on RTE when they are saying that all of these sole traders need to open an e-commerce business and they'll be fine because the government is shutting mm-hmm. them down. They won't be fine. Amazon mm-hmm. is going to take ninety nine percent of anyone's attention online. And yeah, nothing. it's it's actually pathetic to even. To say that, like, oh, they just need to help get online, and it's great. And people are like, "I'll help a company, a small uh, shop in, you know, Kerry get get online." Yeah, like that is just like that's step one out of a hundred, and 
and then there's timing as well. You have to be online so long in order to actually get traction. It's actually it's a it's such a cop out to say just go online. Yeah. And also like another thing is like people and it's a it's a very very good thing to be doing like saying all right I'll, if you have a following saying you'll share everybody say it's Twitter right tweet tweet at me um any businesses you know that need sharing you know to to uh, shop local and all that kind yeah. of stuff and then you you there's probably about. 200 people commenting on all these different shops that need help like yeah that's that's not gonna that's not gonna help anyone do you know what I mean? really like it's not gonna make a difference it's a nice gesture hmm. but it's so hard to get people to purchase online for your shop yeah i'm thinking that just sharing it and saying it to people is gonna make a difference it's not because amazon are, are own so much in the market like yeah exactly so it's not it's not equal distribution and that's probably a really no. good exa- uh, good example so like this, how can those I would say sorry look I would say how, as a, if you're a small business you should think how do I get on Amazon you know <laughs> what I mean how do I if you can't beat them yeah. join them and try it your own as well but like see if you can get in somewhere and use their platform like yeah. it's bad like but I, don't, I suppose he's he has its own up but like the the online thing is interesting because in the kind of investing world um, like VCs all the kind of big investors and stuff like that um, they run a mile from e-commerce businesses. The e-commerce is is notorious in tech for losing money, um, and obviously there's there is exceptions to that rule for sure. But um, if you have like a, a software as a service business, it's way more likely that you'll get some cash to to actual actually fund that idea rather than if it's e-commerce. E-commerce requires a huge infrastructure uh, to do at scale. You need a whole returns. Um, department you need logistics you need um fulfillment <laughs> if you're somebody who's doing handicrafts in county kilkenny you it, like i don't know where you're going to get the cash to set that up you know even at a mm. small small scale and if you do it at a small scale um it's unlikely that you're going to be found um unless you want to you know up, up like we're saying this right you can upskill at uh at google adwords um and <laughs> or uh, SEO, like a lot of people that have been on the po- the podcast have really high level skills at those areas, and they could basically sell anything online. I would say with the skills that they have, but a lot of people who haven't been developing those, it's an, it's it's not likely that they're going to be uh, ultimately successful. Sure, yeah. surely not. When you're saying it's all right here, we're in for another two month lockdown. Right, just get online there. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's and people do go on like that. And it's yeah. really frustrating when I hear that. I feel so sorry for. For anyone who believes that, you know, yeah, absolutely. So the, the here's something that I it's one of the takeaways that I had from the eighty twenty book. Um, it's it sounds like one of those books that if you just read the uh the sleeve of the book that you'd get everything uh that you're going to get out or get eighty percent of the value uh of just reading the outside. There are books like that. There's a book I bought the other the other week called Atomic Habits. It's James Carr. I can't see it now, but it's on my shelf here. And basically, I didn't get much out of it. It was very much, if you could have read the first few pages and the last few pages, you'd be grand type of thing. Um, but the 80-20 principle, I would recommend this to absolutely anybody. It's, it goes into such detail. It's a real handbook of some like of um, of stuff that you can use in your business and like personally. Um, it talks about, um, like we think that the business world is highly competitive and kind of reached some sort of equilibrium or end game nothing could be further from the truth you know every company or every um, company that's like established has all of these 
inefficiencies. There's all these niche businesses that you could you could open um, just to attack one little area of that. Uh, and I'll give you mm. an example. I was talking to a friend of mine who's started a business recently, and he works for a really big company, right? Um, he's left that company now, and he's built a really, really small uh, piece of software, really, really small, niche. Um, and there's really big uh, multinational companies building this at the same time, right? They're building an entire platform to go after a certain market. He's just going to go after a little tiny bit of the market. He left, built this himself, and he's already got big, big logos that want to uh, buy this from him already, right? Wow. And it, it basically, um, it's it's going to compete with the there's about the company that he's leaving has about two hundred thousand employees, and this is going to compete just at a little tiny bit of that that big huge company. Um, but mm. it's going to be so much more competitive than what they're offering. And it's going to be 20% uh, of the price, all this type of stuff. Um, and in the 80-20 principle as well, uh, Koch talks about like if like simplicity is beautiful, uh, complexity is ugly. So mm. if you can do something, he I, did, I knew nothing about the, the type of business that he was in. He explained his product in a few sentences and I was like, yeah, I'll give you a I'll give you anything that you want to invest in that. I'm all in. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And uh, that's what we should be uh, looking for. So there's all these these little nuggets in there uh, about that. But what did you think about the eighty twenty principle, Mark? What like did you do? You think you got a lot out of it? Was that the first time that you actually read the book? It's the first time that I read the book. I knew the law. Um, what's the law again? Pareto's law, is it? Pareto's or, law. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because he's taken from that, and then Tim Ferriss is taken from the eighty twenty and honed it. It's keeping honing it's evolving, it yeah, even even more. But um, yeah, I felt like it was a, it was, and I've discovered the principle obviously a while ago. But for anyone reading for the first time, it will be like they've they're discovering a secret that you know that they they would have loved, they should know already. You know that they're really wasting a lot of time on menial kind of tasks and like in father Ted where they're trying to fix the car and they're doing all the little dints in it. And then it just turns into this big absolute mess. Yeah. Whereas they just actually fo- focus on 20% of the, of the most important thing that's going to have the biggest impact, but it's, it's not just, we're talking about business all the time and consciousness yeah. is business and lifestyle, but it's hap- happiness, uh, investing relationships in work um, talks about winning, uh, time management, uh, negotiation. It's it's literally in everything, and it's essentially fighting against. And he calls it, Kosh calls it the uh, Protestant work ethic of hard work yeah. versus reward. And I don't know why that's. Is it something to do with Protestantism or religion or what? It's ingrained in us, and it's. I fight against it all the time. It's you know I know I try to focus on the biggest task, but at the same time, when everybody's in bed here and I'm just by myself, I'll go on the computer and I'll tap away at all those other little things to tidy everything up. I don't know if that's OC, I'm not OCD, but it's it makes me feel better if I just tweaked everything a little bit as well. Whereas that is completely the opposite of what you should be doing according to the eighty twenty principle. It's that what you're talking about there is so important, and it's something that I took from this uh, this book as well. That it's a it's it's hard to take it's it's advice that's hard to take because you know that you're not living like this you know and yeah even if he it's basically holding up a mirror to say 
this is this is all of these mistakes that you're that people make you're making right so when we we know that we uh we spend 80 percent of our time doing stuff that we don't like doing or we spend only 20 percent of our time um doing stuff pursuing stuff that is exciting to us that makes us happy all that type of stuff um or just like you said it's kind of pervasive in everything in in your life right um so but the protestant work ethic it i think this is not something that kosh says but i think it, it, it's more of a control thing you know so say if i'm mm. a salesperson i can control how many emails i send to unqualified uh people right i can you know if i have a list of emails i can send them out make it generic whatever a percentage of a thousand emails i can control that action do you know what i mean so it's mm. working really hard um afterwards i say oh you know you kind of pat yourself on the back even though you know that at least 80 percent of those emails are going to come to nothing do you know what i mean um and you'll only you could have got the same uh outcome or way more <laughs> uh, than 20 percent of your but, what, but it's like what about somewhere. that one company or you would have contacted if you had to sent out those 100 emails as opposed to 20 what if yeah. one of those 80 was the one that actually was one of the the, go, the gems that you were looking for and that's the problem yeah so it's more you step back from that if if you think like that well then you should only be going after the ones that you think you know it's it's all about planning at the start and then applying it going only don't bother he would say don't bother going after companies that you you're not at least a little bit sure that you're going to get reward from them <laughs> yeah like it goes and he goes into how to treat the when you so it's not just a an, like an overview of the of the rule like at the beginning of the book he really talks about how to use this for businesses so he digs into he suggested you dig into all of your customers and say okay which ones do we actually make money from which ones do we make the most money from why don't we mm-hmm. give them out he calls it outrageous service service that seems ridiculous to them uh, compared to anyone else, and he uses the example of treating a, a a profitable account like it's a like a major account, even if it's a small business or whatever, um, just to make sure that they don't go anywhere. Right? How many businesses? <clears throat> Sorry, hold on. <laughs> How many businesses that treat everybody the same, or when mm. when a, when a support ticket is open, they you know it just goes into a queue normally. <laughs> Should they not be looking at the most profitable? Uh, ones and serving them first. I know that sounds bad, but you know, yeah, this is the way and it should be. Like, I, I, I've been on the on the other side of that when a client, not one of my clients, I've been a client of someone else. I won't say what it was or who it was, but because they had me, they, they, they almost thought that's that's fine, and they're yeah. too busy focusing on getting other people. And when I was unhappy with certain things. It was I didn't get the service that I wanted, so therefore I didn't renew that yeah. contract with them. And I should have been in that their twenty percent. My company should have been in that twenty percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's but it's it's things that aren't people aren't uh, focusing on. Um, yeah. There. So that. But I actually sorry, look, you can actually retrospectively do that if if you have a business. You know, you can go back through without even knowing. This is the first time you've heard eighty twenty films, but go back over your clients and. Do that 80-20 analysis. It's spot on. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And I did it then going forward. So just just with um, selling T-shirts online, I put last week I did like 10 <clears throat> new designs, put them up and put a bit of money in an ad behind them, all equally. All designs were based on the same subject, 
all slightly different designs, obviously, but yeah. all similar enough quality. 20% of them made 80% of the of the profit. That's so weird. What is weird. going on? Out weird. There? Mm. It's, a, it's such a, it's such an interesting thing. And when you, you've proved it like that, and I, I've the same in, in work, like if I look at the, say when I was in direct sales uh, for three years for HubSpot, like if I took all of the deals that I've ever done, I would say 90% of the revenue I made was definitely on 10% of the deals. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually 80, 20 or, or more extreme is what they say. It yeah. could actually be 99, 1 at times. Yeah. Which it is for the, the movie industry. So uh, 99% so, yeah. of all of the money goes to 1.3%. I know that doesn't make sense mathematically, um, but around that, yeah, uh, almost yeah. 99% of the money goes to 1% of the of the the movies that are made, which yeah. like it's really mind-blowing. But like then, okay, so... And there's a few things I want to talk about in the second half of the book where he actually talks about how to... So the first part of the book is about how to dig into your business and find the, the where the leaks are, where you're spending money that you shouldn't be spending or where you should be investing your time and effort, all that type of stuff. In the second part of the book, he really digs into how to use this for your own personal life, you know, how to mm. address this. He actually goes a little bit harsh on the people that you spend time with and then tells you to burn the list after you make it. Um, so I think Akash goes a little bit too far there but um, so the the what's I going to say there so mm, I remember Are the people side of it the second half yeah the second half he goes into like how you can use this in your uh, in your own life to uh, to figure out where you should be spending your time um, but there's this other there's this part where you get to where you say okay then what right mm. this is what I was thinking okay I figure out obviously these are the three things that bring me the mo most happiness. So I should spend time doing those. But if I spend time doing those, the stuff that I don't like, it's there's important things in there as well. <laughs> Do you know I mean? I don't like getting the groceries. I, well, we need food. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes I'm thinking... Yeah. Where does it end? Yeah. I keep so, thinking. So if you implement it once... Yeah, exactly. You'll find the nature of human beings is that there will then again... Be twenty percent of that twenty percent <laughs> that yeah. you enjoy doing more. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But that's I his don't point. Know where I think, it that, I think is, is. he said there's no end to it in the book. He says okay. this: it, you just keep on refining it and refining it until the business is really is really great, or you have no revenue because it keeps on going to a smaller twenty percent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> until but it's, it's more. I think the one of the big benefits of it all is we'll give you more time. Yeah, exactly. So there's he has actually for um for good uses of time he has some rules around that. Um one so they have to answer two questions when he's thinking about something about how to spend his time. One is uh is it conventional? Is that a conven conventional way of spending time? So if you're you know at work like everybody else in a big office or in a home office now but when you were in a big office uh and everyone you know takes two breaks a day you know, is that a good way to spend your time to go uh, to the, the coffee machine then? Do you know what I mean? Or mm. yeah, you can use that for uh, bigger stuff as well. Um, does it multiply my effectiveness? Think about that one. Right? Mm. I, I thought about this myself when I was, uh, because I'm a, a partner manager, I've only got a certain amount of hours a day. And sometimes, because I like the control of things, I'll do stuff that other people should be doing just to get it done. I say, don't worry yeah. about that. I'll take care of it, right? But that does not multiply my, my effectiveness. 
my effectiveness would be multiplied by spending time talking to people about why they should be thinking this is important as well. And mm. then I won't have to do those tasks again because someone else will take over, take over. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, the biggest, the, the most obvious um, situation where that happens is in a startup when it's just you, maybe one other person or two other people and you're doing such menial tasks, but they have to be done. And it's just like, is this really the best use of my time? You know, it's and it's it. The answer is always no. But you, <laughs> the good thing is, you can outsource all that stuff. But you don't. They don't. You don't. But you should. You should really find it because there is people that will do that for you, and then you can focus on the most important things at, for a startup, which are more customers, more sales. Yeah. You know. Exactly, and it's something to think about. And kind of leading on to that, he's got some rules here that I might read out. And I just want to read these out so you can see if if you think that they're if they're good, if they're if they're not good, kind of challenge them. And basically, yep. he says these are the top uh, the top ten low value uses of time. So he's saying mm. these are the stuff that you shouldn't be doing. Okay, things that other people want you to do. That's a broad <laughs> that's a broad stroke, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> um, like, an example of that could be there's so many examples, but like emails. If somebody emails me, yeah, it's very hard to do. And what what I do in in recruitment, it's very hard not to keep an eye on your emails. You have to like it's it's a time thing. Um, but that would be like getting. People want you to reply to them, but yeah. he'd probably say, no, check your email in the morning, maybe once during the day and then once at night, or not at night, before you finish up. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know, it's a, it's a bit of a broad statement. Yeah. But, but I, I know you know what he means, though. I, I know what he means, and I think that it's, it's if you if somebody else told you to do it, then it's something that you would or wouldn't have done otherwise, so it's not yeah. a good use of time. Um, things that have always been done this way. So I've got a good example of this. I worked yeah. at an investment bank and every morning I had to up update a um, the stock database. That was my, my thing, right? So I'd go over to the Bloomberg machine. For those of you who have not worked in finance, Bloomberg is a is a is where the information comes in about stocks, investments, all that type of stuff. Um, Never understood how it needs its own separate machine, but anyway. It's a it's something to do with the data feed. So it's a up to the up to the millisecond data feed coming in. Um okay. so yeah, it's the it's the information that they're paying for. That's why Michael Bloomberg is so uh, rich. Anyway, mm-hmm. so I'd go over, um, and I had a list of stocks or uh, private equity investments that I have to go search for, get all the information, update the database, all that type of stuff. Uh, and I did this for a year before I realized that I'll, I googled, you know, um, spreadsheet Bloomberg connection, and I built a macro in Excel that sucked the, the information in and then I didn't have to mm. do anything in the morning ever again mm. I didn't tell anybody but you know what I mean <laughs> I was like I fixed that completely but yeah. I was worried they were going to ask me to do something else in the morning so I didn't tell anyone <laughs> yeah that's the other thing <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what I did in, the, in my spare but a lot time. of people are a lot of people's jobs or a lot of proportion of people's jobs is could be automated and that's maybe that scares people and they don't want to <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, number three is things you're usually not good at I love this one. Yeah, I like that's what I liked about it. Yeah. Doubling down on what you're good at. Yeah. Um, I think you can only really implement that when you're probably at least in your twenties, like when you've actually figured out. Because the stuff that I'm good at now that yeah I wasn't in in my teenage years, like you yeah. know. But, um, imagine, but imagine a manager, a manager or something says, something, "Luke, can you take care of that?" And then you're like, "I'm not good at that. I don't want to. Like that's not something that I'm like I'm good at. We should, I should spend my time doing something else." Like that's a yeah. real. Oh, that's a it's a hard thing to say. Or it's a hard thing to say to yourself. 
it's it's tough as an employee because you know if it's part of your job description you kind of have to do it and you'd have to really put a case across as to why you shouldn't do it and why you know but if you're running your own business it's a lot more easier to implement yeah. like like with the with the podcast what do we say at the start we'll 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 do what we're good at and yeah. we've done that pretty much do you know what i mean yeah i like the like I, I like doing the the editing and all that type of stuff. You do the social media. Mm. Imagine how bad the social media stuff would be if I was doing that. <laughs> it would be and it w- and the edit and the editing wouldn't get done if 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 I if, yeah because you're too busy. If I was to do, I wouldn't have time to to do it all as well. Like yeah, and I've I've enjoyed learning about it. Like you know, yeah. Um. So things things that you don't enjoy doing. That's a kind of a funny one as well. Some of these ones are real, almost like cheeky. I don't enjoy doing this. It's not a good use of my time. That's very child. It's like a child, <laughs> childish thing to say, isn't it? Like, but, uh, okay, like, but okay, I'm going to challenge you to apply that though. What What do you do that you don't enjoy doing? In are we talking in business or in life? Dude, this is we're this we're in the kind of the lifestyle um, design okay. element of this. Could be but in I business. Jo- don't enjoy doing. Um, I'll, give, I'll give you an example. Some people might try to save money by doing their own taxes. Yeah, you don't enjoy doing that. It's yeah, not a good use of your time. Cleaning, cleaning the house, like, yeah, it's a pain. But like, yeah. you, as two two people who are at home a lot, like it's very hard to get someone else in to clean the house. But you then should. again, like you it does take up should. a lot, a lot of your time. What does Steve up. Merchant say as well? You know, if if there's a, a a migrant worker that I can help out along the way, so be it. That's what I mean. You could. <laughs> well, help. that's the reason there, that is a, a, a job. Like, like, yeah, exactly. So think yeah. about that one. That would be yeah. It's I've often thought that like is this a good use of my time? And I, I think about it with like getting people in to paint the house and stuff like that, you know, or yeah. outside. I, I can do that. Of course I could do that. But it's actually, if I do a painting, it'll actually pay for that, you know, two times over or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So you have to think. Yeah. That's a funny example efficient? as well. Your painting will pay for the painting outside. Yeah. That's really, it's a different type of painting. It's kind of yeah. meta. I like it. Um, <laughs> Here's here's what that's really interesting. I won't go through all these, but like here's one that's really interesting to me as well. It says uh, things that few. <laughs> this one's really like another one, the cheeky ones. Um, so these are things that are waste of time, not a good use of your time. Uh, doing things uh, few other people are interested in. <laughs> what would be an example of that? So like, like if you're in work and you're doing something that you know it's part of your job, but no one's going to be really watching what that is. Yeah focus on stuff where people are interested in so for me a good example of that would be you know like so oh, i'm in a sales i'm in the sales org the revenue is what people really care about work on that i could work on right now i'm also doing i'm doing marketing and stuff like that mm. no one's gonna say luke how's that marketing going no one cares mm. none of my superiors care about that how much revenue is it making that's all that matters so don't mm. spend a, a second on anything else any type of like service tickets, don't send a set. No one's, no one cares about that. Mm. But why are you doing it then? So these are the type of things that yeah, you know, I'm talking to me there, not you. <laughs> do you know what I mean, I'm, no, but I know there is there is jobs, you know, that where half of what you do is revenue generating, and then the other half is admin. But at the end of the day, people's opinion of the outcome of those is heavily skewed towards the revenue side. Yeah. So if, if you're bringing in zero revenue and you're the best admin person in on the team, as much as they're thankful about the admin, like you're gone. You're Do you gone. know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. Then there's I'm gonna skip a few. There's the ones here that are really interesting as well. Uh, it, 
things that uh things where your collaborators are unreliable or low quality don't do those things <laughs> i've got a few i'm not gonna i'm, I'm not gonna go too deep in there but some of the fucking anyway yeah <laughs> but you know yeah that's I, an I, obvious I, i've got some good examples here but it's going out live i'll take that off there air but like it's a, a few times in my career okay let's talk about it you know i love talking about my jobs in canada because it feels like they're so far away even though uh, one of the Canadian guys I worked with is now going to work in HubSpot. He's moving to Dublin. Anyway, um, so I would say collaborators are low low quality or unreliable. Um, have you ever worked on a, a project with, with people who weren't weren't putting in the same amount that you were putting in or was necessary? Mm. Yeah, Just, I think everyone can relate to that, yeah. But if they're completely un- unreliable or low quality, the outcome's going to be poor anyway, so don't waste time there. Just say, I'm not, yeah. not going to be involved in this. It's the same with... with clients you know only focus on don't only focus but like the 20 percent of your clients should be the one that you're you're putting the most focus on same with your collaborators you know the projects you should, you're wasting your time 100 percent. it's just not an effective use of time yeah so uh, to be an effective use of our time during this podcast we've got two more lists that i want to go through but you're gonna have to pick one all right so i'll give you the titles and then we'll see which one is, is best because okay. we've got to move on here I mean, we're almost at 40 minutes here on the first book <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, sit tight, people. Yeah, sit tight here. So, okay, so we can either read, uh, kind of go through the top ten highest uh, value uses of time, or we can say, what does all this mean for the ambitious? What do yeah, you let's go for the last one, the ambitious one. Let's take ambitious. Okay, cool. Ambitious, rather. All right, so here's just some rules. Like after doing all of these eighty uh, twenty analysis analyses uh, over as. Um, kind of lifetime in, in uh, strategy consulting. And just for to give some context as well, he started a company called LEK uh, Consultancy, um, which was really, really um, successful. Um, I think he sold his part out of that after six years and then went on to make you know hundreds of millions other other places. Um, I actually applied for LEK after college. Um, didn't get past the phone interview, so thanks, uh, Richard Kosh, for that one. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's probably for the best. I think I have to move to London. Anyway, okay. So, uh, so these are the the. What does this all mean for the ambitious? Okay. So let's let's put some hustle behind this. All right. So these are the the rules that he thinks that you should follow. Specialize in a small niche uh, and develop a core skill. Okay. So, mm-hmm. for you, you you've got kind of a c- couple of core skills. Mm. The, the, the obviously the painting, um, the the art is one thing, um, mm. but what would you say? would be your core skills in your in your business are, are you a relationships guy is that where you should be spending your money or spending your time are you the the high level guy what, what do you what do you think just from a personal reflection point um if i'm to look at what i do if i you know i'd split it into probably four different areas art then recruitment which let's call that sales or business uh, finance is what i trained in that's more just being literate in that, I wouldn't say it's an area. I'm, well, technically, it's finance recruitment. And then thirdly, it would be like just kind of online sales and e-commerce and that kind of thing. So, but they all kind of intersect with each other. Um, creativity is probably building brand. I'm pretty good at building brands and creativity. Yeah, if I think about it, it's, it's all... And then relationship building is important as well. I, I I am a people person. I like speaking to people. Mark, so, I think it's uh, from the outside. I think it's creativity. Yeah, that's probably the core is, yeah. one. That's the, where everything comes from. A lot of people don't have that at all. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? 
But I probably don't spend as much time in the creativity side as I should because it's very hard to uh, to directly monetize creativity. It it is, but you you're, you're getting there as well with all of the bits of the stuff that you're doing, right? So that was it. So if these, if you're talking to your kids, this is kind of good advice for these guys. So develop a core skill, um, choose a niche that you enjoy and where you can excel, and have a uh, a chance to stand out as a, a acknowledged leader. I think that's a good one as well. So people are so reluctant to go into a niche, aren't they? It's but anybody who's done really well out of anything has has probably gone into an, a niche that they're passionate about. Very hard that you shouldn't just pick an niche. Shouldn't just you know uh, roll the dice and land on you know the cricket niche or something, and then go into the cricket stuff and you know nothing about it. You know exactly. And there's another quote that I wrote down here from uh, from this book as well. It says, uh, "To be a winner, you must pick the right competition." be selective about the races that you enter all right and then he talks yeah. about how uh all of the times that we <laughs> people fail um the 80 percent of the time it's because it, it was a race that other people put you in so you were mm. put in school you're put maybe your parents wanted you to be a football star so they put you in sorry you didn't choose that yeah. race do you know what i mean so being yeah. able to, to personally in in when i went into uh, to train as an accountant i felt i was I wasn't the best, like out of everybody there. I'd probably been mid-table accountant type of thing, and I just thought I got to do something about this yeah. because I, the amount of study that I could possibly have to do to to get to the level that some people are at is just not worth it. Yeah. Um. So I I hopped out of that race. Um. So realize realize knowledge is power. So it's something that, like, I would say, if I was giving advice to somebody, I'd say niche down in uh, cloud computing. Uh, figure out all all of the high level things you need to know to be able to sell that, and then that's your niche. Your knowledge uh, of that area is going to be the, some that you'll be able to sell. Identify yeah. your market and the core customers and serve them best. This is something Easy, easily said than done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, learn from the best is another one. So f- figure out who in the niche is the the go to. I think that's I think it's easier than people think, and it's something that I've learned from this uh, this podcast. People are open to to doing lots of different things. You just reach out to people that'll sit down with you for more than an hour and chat about like we get to pick their brain. Um, mm. Really, the podcast has been mind op- uh, mind opening for me on that uh, on that point. People are usually generally passionate about who are passionate about what they do are quite uh, open to actually having to talking about it, as you'd imagine. The, the stumbling or the hurdle to get to those people to have that conversation. I mean, we've we've sorted that with a podcast, but usually like if you just approach somebody and prove in a message that you're not mental, you're not absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah. Usually they will, but there is that risk that somebody could be crazy and they just won't, they don't want to reply to them. So if you can have some sort of, whether it's if you know somebody that knows someone that you're trying to get to or you you have an online profile that people can double check and click in, that's usually what people do. Yeah. Okay, this person's normal. Usually you can have these conversations and find out what it is and skip the queue and find out, copy what they're doing. And there's yeah. no such thing as an original idea, I don't think. Skip the queue. It's going to be the, when I when I get around to writing a book, skipping the queue is, is, is going to be the, the title, I think. There's three here that I'm just going to bang out really quickly that I think are okay. some of the most important advice that anyone could have. One, become self-employed early in your career and employ as many net value creators as possible. Right? Yeah. That's that. That's 
like if you could just if you sat down and figured out a business forget about what industry forget about everything and yeah. say how can i just build a system where i can get uh, i can hire as many net uh, producers as possible i'll give you an example and um, there's a guy uh if you're on youtube and you're typing entrepreneurship or whatever his name is uh, patrick bet david right um he's a guy it's called valuetainment on youtube oh yeah, yeah, yeah the first time you it's hard to take the first time you watch a video because he seems like a gobshite i don't know what it is like he seems real silly and stuff like that then you realize he has seventeen thousand staff in his company selling Does he? insurance <laughs> yeah he's, he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars like he's Jeez. so so legit right but <laughs> the way he goes on it seems it seems a bit fake you know what i mean but what he's done is what i'm talking about here where he said okay we in america everyone buys insurance i'm gonna set up a system where ambitious people can sell as much insurance as they want and i just pay them a commission right mm. so he goes city by city opening offices uh hiring salespeople. they work mostly on commission over there uh he sets up all of the relationships with all of the insurance companies so that's where he's that's where he spends all his time on those relationships and then he he basically just sets that up for ambitious people and then hires the, uh, the most uh people who can add value to it that's but people don't set up businesses like that they don't say okay how many well i just i'll set up the infrastructure and then i'll just get people who i know i can make money off or not i can but they can that's probably the most simplistic way of doing it is one of those kind of sales kind of businesses um where there's not a lot in between it's literally product and salespeople. Exactly. and if the salesperson isn't making a net profit well then they don't you don't keep them exactly it's mm. uh it's something to think about as well when we're talking about coming up with uh business ideas and we'll kick on to the star principle now because we could talk all day about that book so if anyone uh, is interested and are interested in a book that uh, will really challenge them to think about um their life not just from business but from a whole happiness point of view um maybe think about that and if as anyone if anyone has ever said to you this isn't a good use of my time and you got angry about that because it sounds like it's a prick saying that <laughs> um they're actually just kind of they're 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 thinking probably more clearly than uh than other people okay cool so mark well, let's move right along my, my second i think what are we going to rate that are we going to rate them out of 10 yeah let's rate it out of 10 i give that the the 80 20 principle i give that a solid nine actually yeah i'd agree solid nine and it'll have a last 100 percent 80 percent maybe uh will have a lasting effect yeah. on your on your thinking especially if, like we haven't even started to implement this this is a it's a, it's, a, it's a work in progress for sure uh with that type of stuff okay cool so the the second book that we we covered here and, and one that i think is just an amazing read as well is the star principle so the star principle uh it's called the star principle uh and how it can make you rich which is always a good uh i think someone else put that in. sometimes i think that some of these books i don't see kosh put uh making the title on that <laughs> I'd say his was the star principle and then the editor threw that on to sell some books. Um, but if anybody out there is looking for a quick read that's going to be really impactful, I mean, you could read it, like I said, in three or four hours, you can blow through it. Um, but it just, it's a different way of thinking about businesses. Um, it's based on the Boston Consulting Group's matrix um, of uh, stars, uh, question marks, uh, cash cows and dogs. So that's how they categorize different businesses. So when you do a, 
when you when you study strategic management in college, you'll go through a lot of stuff that was created um, in the kind of management consulting revolution in the late seventies and eighties. Um, Boston Consulting Group were one of the the main uh, kind of the big one of the big three um, in that era, and they came out with a lot of good stuff like this. Um, but what what Richard Kosh is saying, um, and I know we've had Michael Houghton on. <laughs> Uh, from the the Irish uh, Fire podcast, which was great as well, really enjoyed that one. And I've taken steps after uh, talking to him. Yep. Um, he was talking about investing in a diversified account over long term and to get average uh, returns. Uh, Kosh talks about in the book how he only invests in in star businesses that that would be, you know, completely outside of what normal investing thinking would uh, would. Uh, would predict or what would would say to to be um mm. so to to be a star business the business has to be the leader in its niche so the number one is in its niche and it also has to be in a, a fast growing niche of more than 10 percent um managed in uh or measured sorry in uh, sales revenue so basically what he's saying is if you just invest in these uh, so there's two two elements of the book one is the investing so which where should you put your money if you're starting your own um, your own business? These are the the things that you should actually think about. And the second part is how to if you know if you're not an entrepreneur, how can you also benefit from this? If you're not an investor, how can you get yourself kind of on the mm. roller coaster early? Uh, in like joins a startup, yeah, exactly. As an employer, yeah. So he talks about this, and he he talks about the the quadrant a lot, and how most of the so one in twenty businesses uh our star businesses that's what he says so it's a very low hit rate so they're harder to find than you would expect um and he said that this is the case even for startups so when people are investing um and you're looking at uh these uh, startups that are getting a lot of um, a lot of investment tens of millions in, in uh, venture capital or whatever um, if you look under the bottom a lot of these guys are still uh, question marks um and even I was thinking about this. I was reflecting on maybe HubSpot, where I'm working. I think that it's probably a, a question mark business. Um, and if we look at the quadrant, we talk about stars, which are leaders in high growth markets, followers who are um, in high growth markets, but they're not number one, um, cash cows, which are leaders in low growth markets, like Coca Cola or something like that, where they're going to make they'll make a lot of money, but it's not going to be it's not growing like crazy. Um, uh, and then dogs, which are followers in low growth markets. What do you think a dog market is, Mark? What do you think? What would you say? I would say that's most businesses probably, <laughs> isn't it? Just kind of unsure of what next year is going to bring. Um, they're never going to be the market leader. Yeah, It's all about getting market share. He's obsessed with the market share yeah. because if you, if you don't get that, and you can, probably the best way to get that is just merging with other companies. Um, like Paddy Power and uh, Betfair and or Flutter, whatever they're called now. Um, but I would say most companies that people know of or that know people that own would be probably dogs. Like when he mentions cash cows, yeah, that sounds all right to me. Sounds you know great to me. I mean? uh, and <laughs> and I think it would be most people would be happy. But he's talking about with the star thing. It's about thinking big. Like these are. This is going yeah. to make you a hundred million, as opposed to a cash cow giving you, a, you know, five hundred grand cash a year. Yeah, you know, which which would be super. But that, I suppose that that's another kind of analysis on how how do you actually get a cash cow. But he's probably saying have have, have both 
like it's good to have a cash cow which will support your investments which will be in the star businesses question marks um question marks could be really good or they could be gone tomorrow you know yeah those question marks as well like it they're they're followers in a in a growth market so they're the likelihood of those guys overtaking it's just it's a lot harder right so the whole book is, yeah. is based on how to make your your life easy you're going to be working anyway a lot of the time um, yeah so you might as well be working in these type of areas um and if you're a question mark if the company is a question mark he unless it is a real possibility that it's a star he recommends get out yeah. cash out it's yeah. so weird which is harsh like yeah. it's just imagine but these are these are things that i know i know we're a couple of a young books still but it's it's stuff that i wish they were teaching in in school where you go back to like a 12 year old and be like you should just start working for a star business anything else is waste your waste your fucking time like mm. true it's um, almost too risky not to you know yeah exactly it's almost that's what i was thinking about after talking to michael houghton as well I was always reluctant to buy a stock and stuff like that because it's risky. But the the, the guy was it Jim Rohn. What he always says: um, if you think if you think investing is expensive, wait till you get the bill for not investing. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it's a it's a very interesting take on things, and I think that if you took that when you were leaving college or something, if you just took this tiny book and, and implemented that, you'd be doing really well. Like. So every the, every CEO of a tech company thinks they're a star, though. Like, well, probably literally, and uh, thinks the business is a, is a star. So it's actually removing the emotion and just going on the on the the strategy that's laid out. And that's why he sounds so confident when he's talking about it. Like, it's like it is hard, but just read this, you know, yeah. and then follow the <laughs> follow the, the guide. <laughs> It's it's a step by step guide to and have a million and and he's like oh I just I only put a million in the, in in that company that's where your cash cow comes in maybe the first book should have been how to create a cash cow yeah maybe but one of the the last things here on um in the the rules for the ambitious from the eighty twenty rule is actually uh, exploit capital leverage yeah so how do you uh, and then that's actually there's something I'll, I'll get to now uh, that it kind of goes on from what you're saying there so he says okay so let's say that you've you've uh, you're going to invest in only these star businesses um and you'll go find those that's fine you've got your investments that's where you're going to put your money because you you're going to get unreasonable returns so it's not going to be four percent like the normal stock market it's going to be mm. you know 50 percent, whatever um he, he gives gives you the path if you want to create stars a really in-depth look at all of the different um business uh, ideas that you can generate from different concepts um so which is almost never happens in these books as well that's something that's kind of like a departure from these type of self-help books it's like like you said it's like just do this figure out uh you know um a, a niche that's growing um if you can do something similar but uh in a more luxurious way that's your niche if it's growing more than 10 percent, there's your star next <laughs> Like yeah, <laughs> oh, it's a, I don't know. I'd, I'd say being around him, like working for him, would be really difficult because it'd be like he'd expect he'd expect a lot. <laughs> Do you know? Uh, okay, cool. So, um, so the the most important. So yeah, so that's the first one. So it talks about how to um, you know, start your find a star, start it, all that type of stuff. But then it starts to talk about people who aren't that way inclined, which is most people don't want to just risk it all on a potential star. Um, so he actually shows that you should kind of how to figure out which businesses are 
going to be stars or have that potential and then also how to um how to work for those those companies get involved with those companies and also what to do when you're in there it's an amazing book it really goes through the steps so he talks about um the that you should once you've identified a star you shouldn't wait until they've got a job opening you need to contact them and tell them what you can do for them that's that because they by the time they're that they realize that they need someone like you there's gonna be 100 people knocking on the door trying to get in here so mm. before they realize this, so I'll give you an example. Say if I was, so I've, I've built a, a reseller a business for HubSpot from scratch. Absolutely. There was none before this and now there is a whole department there. Say if there was a a, a marketing automation business that had, that was a, a startup that was like a brand. They had some sort of niche that I don't even know about yet. True. But I, I saw mm. it and it fit into these two categories of a star business or these two um determinants of a star business if i went to them uh, and said to them listen you guys are going to be a star business i think um let me come in and build a reseller network all over europe for you mm. they're gonna be like yeah sure why not <laughs> do you know what i mean i think it, it, I, that's something that we when you when we're young young people looking for a job maybe young people's the wrong one because they don't have the skills yet but mm. mid-career people what do they do they go to monster.a you know, they go to um, companies that they want to work for. Oh, they're not hiring anyone like me. How do you know? Do you know? Yeah. Maybe they, they don't want know to be they a, need a you. passenger on the boat as opposed to driving it. Yeah. Imagine mm. if somebody, can, so right now you may not be hiring anybody. What if someone contacted you and said, hey, hey, Mark, I've got all of these uh, great contacts for finance uh, jobs in Birmingham. I'm from Birmingham, but I have to live in Dublin. Do you mind if I go under your umbrella? And bring in these these clients, and you're gonna, be like, mm. of course, yeah. But you're not gonna put an ad in on your website saying um, recruiter mm. from Birmingham needed because mm. you don't know you need it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So this is, I think, just that kind of concept that Kosh brings up makes you really think about things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's a really good one. Yeah. So let's uh, let's keep that in mind as well. Uh, and he says <laughs> he t- he talks about what to do once you're in. Uh, well, so you've done that you've reached out to them you've got the job you're doing that now um, you need to push the star to think internationally try to grow it as much as you can from the inter- internal side of things and this is another cautionism. he said if the people who started the business don't get it try to buy them out <laughs> he's a baller like that's a <laughs> that's a killer move so basically yeah if they if they don't get it um if they won't raise their ambition, um, he says to make an offer for the firm, figure out how to get the finance later. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's a, you know, it's, it's a pretty big thinking here, you know? Yeah. Um, so there were the, there were the main points. I mean, is there anything that stood out to you from the star principle other than what we went through there? Um, what if, what were, I was interested at all the different examples, you know, I don't know why I automatically think of, technology when when you think of star firms because you think of you think of facebook google all that kind of thing but like there was some other there was a restaurant business what was it, it was like a was it belgian like a belgian food that he belco was it can't remember that one directly but okay I think it's, that was a business he invested in belco it was like Based based on an old monastery, the vibe. Oh um, yeah, exactly. You know, so the the yeah. whole decor was uh, from a, a a monastery thing, and that they were the 
the market leader in monastery dining. Yeah, yeah. Ichiro, and it was growing more than ten percent. So that's a star business. So, like, uh, so do, 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 I've got how to how to find your star, put a sign up. Yeah, I don't. I can't see it here. I thought I had an opening for that one. Okay, cool. Um, but I know what you mean. It's always we always think about the, the uh, like technology for that. And they may, that's a good example of where to apply that. But if we also think about how like ten percent growth per year is really a low bar. I think mm. like with um, with technology, usually we're thinking about ideas that will grow whatever 70%, like HubSpot's still growing 70% year over year. Do you mm. know what I mean? And that's like a hyper, that would be, you know, hyper growth. So surely if you can, if basically a star business in that case is, let's think think of the, the, the market on a Sunday in Dunleary. The, the niche might be the guy who does the Italian sausages there. Yeah, do you know what I mean? He's the only one doing sausages there, right? That's the niche. He's the market leader in Italian sausages in Dunleary. Yeah. If that, if his revenue is growing ten percent year over year, say if he, even if he's just upping his prices ten percent year over year, that's he can get growth that way. Technically, that's yeah. a star business. Something that you, he should be happy with investing in. You know, trying to expand. Hmm. Do you know so yeah. uh, that's a really a micro example but I think that this can be applied to a lot of things um, I think a lot of companies like I said fall, fall into that follower stage um, you guys with the financial recruitment that's the niche um, are you guys in the, the cash cow end of things are you the, the followers um, being a star in recruitment I think would be really difficult unless you were doing something yeah. ultra ultra niche down so like it has to be a fast growing niche Yes, that's that's an important thing. It's very hard to find that, <laughs> like a fast-growing niche. I mean, Filofax was one that he had, wasn't it? Yeah, and that was growing great. And then all of a sudden, people just start taking notes on their on their mobiles. Yeah, and he actually talks about that in the the book as well about fading stars. Yeah, you know, but like the good news is that when something fades, is a, a million other opportunities uh, yeah. to do that. So. Really, um, really interesting book. What would you give that out of ten, Mark? What are you thinking? Um, what would I give that out of ten? I would say no, I liked it, and it was a lot of, again, a lot of practical examples and practical things you can actually follow up on as well. I again, it it will stay in my mind when it comes to business and decisions I make. Um, I give it eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Okay, so a little bit less. Do you know what? Mm. For, for for time investment versus out uh, output, I would give that a ten out of ten. That's okay. that's a that's on my must must read list. That's something that we need to know. If you're grown up, like my little boy is going to understand the star principle, and I'm going to confront him if he's ever mm. doing something that's not if he's not working for a star, if he's not creating a star business, it's he's not getting the best out of his time, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I think I do. Thing? I think one just one thing. Nine point eight. Nine point eight. <laughs> okay, very good. But just one thing was like all well and good, and 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 not talking about the joining and star business as an employee, but like you really need capital to make a star business work. Okay, you know your own capital. So it's it's. I want to read the book as how do you build the cash cow to generate your your the money you're going to invest. I know there's different ways of investing and you can borrow and stuff like that, but you know, 
Yeah, I, I tell you what. Here's gonna. This is gonna sound ridiculous, but I think capital is the least important. For a star, for to get a star, if you like, if you take some of the steps of creating the star business in in the in the book, I think you can bring that to the people, show them, and get the uh, the the money that you need. I'll give you an example. Uh, uh, Connor, who we had on the uh, on the podcast, Mad Egg. Yeah, Connor Sheridan. Yeah, yeah Connor Sheridan. His his idea for Squeeze could be a star business. It's a, it's a niche product. It could mm-hmm. have unlimited growth. He got into the N- NDRC. He'll get whatever finance he needs to get that off the ground. Mm. I think financing is like the least of your worries. I know it seems like it's the biggest one, but mm. there is unlimited money and they keep on making it. They keep on printing <laughs> it. They, do you know? So it's... If that's if that's the only thing, I don't think, I don't think that there's, uh, you know, <laughs> there's no, I don't think there's a lot of any businesses that really are, are the leaders in a niche that's growing more than ten percent that won't get funding. Mm. But you don't just get funding. You don't just get handed them, uh, you know, five hundred grand. You're gonna have to put up a certain amount of that. People people forget that. Like, yeah, nobody invests in you without you putting skin in the game yourself. Yeah, for sure. So, like mm. in that case, you can take the steps that he puts out in the book to go work for one of these other ones, mm. and then you'll have the shares that you need to cash in and start a new one. Yeah, Do you know. But it is. I know what you mean. I there's a book to be written still, um, and I think that you know we're talking about the kind of financial independence, retire early thing, where every month you take a certain percentage of your income and you invest it in the stock market over the long term hold mm. for the long term so you can be financially free i'd like to i'd like to say there's probably a book to be written about how to just generate cash to actually start in, investing in that that isn't to do with hour per hour work i know what you're thinking it was called the four hour work week but <laughs> there's a, a more practical book where it's like okay i want to invest 100 euro a day here's 50 mm. ideas about how to make 100 euro a day extra yeah yeah. There's a lot of books out there on on what to how how to invest, how to uh, how to build star companies, all that kind of stuff. But you know, there's usually a small small paragraph on actually, and obviously, in order to do this, you have to have your own fund built up to put into it. Yeah, it, I mean, it's very very small, and it, it annoys me sometimes when it's such a small caveat. You know, you, obviously, you're going to need fifty grand. Not everybody has fifty grand to 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 put in. Or to one, so you might have it, but Jesus Christ, you're not gonna you're not gonna risk it. You know, what I mean? yeah. fifty grand to risk putting into a, a new venture or multiple new ventures. Yeah, it's a it's it's the catch twenty two, you know. And if you but if it's I think it I still think that you're like okay, it's gonna be take fifty grand to do. Then you can't afford to do it if you can't afford to lose it. Mm. So you're gonna have to go uh, get your Italian sausage out. You know, so you gotta start somewhere. Excuse, excuse me. Excuse, uh, no, from my example. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> no, so I know what you mean. Let's write that book. Um, how to generate mm. cash? Because cash cow. What? Maybe maybe Richard can write it. You call it Cash Twenty Two. Yeah, Cash. <laughs> automatic Cash. Um, so the the sorry yeah so generating cash. Generating anyway, cool. cash. Um, gosh, gosh, gosh. Uh, so the the most important kind of takeaway from that is that 
okay, whether you've got 50K on the hip to invest in your own star business, um, this is the ones that you should be spending your time. I think time management is kind of his big thing. Mm. Where do you spend your time? You know, where are you going to get the most return? Um, so Definitely the younger, the, the, the vibe I'm getting from a lot of these books is the younger you start doing this, the better. I don't know that's no use to somebody who's, who's older because you can, you can start any age, but definitely your time is, is on your side when you're 20. 100%. Mm. Um, but if you... Well, no, no, no. Go off traveling when you're 20. Take it easy. You know, that's yeah. what people say to you. You have loads of time. Of time. You come back and you're, you know, 26 and people are saying, well, here, give me two grand a month for rent or else, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. It's a... The, the early start thing is a weird one. I talked to the, I've talked to my wife a couple of times about whether or not our kids should go to college. Um, mm. Especially you're now, talking to a teacher, so I'm imagining she'll yes. say they should. <laughs> yeah, for 100. And I think they probably should, just for the, you know, rag week, and stuff. <laughs> I think that's fun, and you should do it if if it, yeah. uh, it makes you happy. But like even now, like it's all online. They're not getting any of that. They're basically yeah. they just they they have to do this weird kind of like ta- it's like you have this taskmaster who says give me X amount of words. And you cough up words on a page with like little mm-hmm. and everyone has to be harvard referenced and stuff it's boring it's a waste of time isn't it well it's definitely not like it was obviously things were moving online and education was changing and people's attitude towards college was uh definitely changing every day but now that they can't physically be there yeah that's <laughs> well then why not do a different online course you know what i mean what, the, what if the colleges are really gonna have to sell sell themselves if, if they can't have the advantage of actually having people in, on campus what if what if i told you in a year we could we could do some of this stuff um when it comes to like the cautious rules of success or for the ambitious to get a core skill make sure you can be the, the leader in that and stuff like there's there's areas of technology that are expanding far more than 10 percent a year far more in the thousands of percent a year do you like know mm. from a revenue point of view um in two or three months you could get a core skill of how to work in one of those technologies. Two or three months, I'd say, where mm. you're better than 99% of the world in that area. Uh, like, it would be, you'd have, I'd say you'd probably have to buy tutorials online, buy people's time who's already doing that. You know, it's basically 80 20 in your uh, education. Yeah, and then you say, when I come out, I can do all these, these, these things. Mm. Here's a, uh, a book of work that I've done for other companies, kind of on spec even. Uh, my, mm. my point is, Education, I don't. It's not that I don't agree, agree with education. I just think you can just niche down into until mm. you're the guy at X, and you, yeah. you know, online you should like uh, what does Arnold Schwarzenegger say? Work like hell and advertise. Yeah, everyone forgets the second part. Yeah, I think, but I think education is too it's it's too broad. It's not niche enough, and that's like I don't mind secondary school. You know, you have to learn it all every subject. But when you're in college, a lot of courses are way too broad. That kind of do your three years and then specialize in a master's. Why not do your master's in two years and just that skip the degree? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's such a yeah, it's a, mm. it is a it's a weird one. But the good news is that if everybody else is fixed on that, we've mm. got the advantage because we know that that's not the case for our children to say. Mm you know, this is something that you should look at. Here's a thousand euro to invest. Pick a star business there. Yeah. 
do you know what I mean? And we'll open a, an account and we'll put that in and see how it goes. And then I'll uh, invest in uh, cash cows and stuff like that and see who comes comes better at the end of the year. Stuff that, That's a real lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You could do that. Okay, cool. Okay, so we've got two two books left. I know we're at a, an hour and 10 minutes here, Mark, so I'm going to blow through this one real quick. This is Super Connect. Super Connect is uh, by Richard Koch and Greg Lockwood. Um this is about the three different types of networks that people have. One, strong uh, links or strong um, kind of bonds, family, uh, people you grew up with, all that type of stuff. Obviously, these are the most uh, important in people's lives, um, but the ones that we have probably the least um, least uh, control over, right? Mm. And this can be a good thing if you went to the right school, if you your family were in the right golf club, etc. Those guys will look after each other. Uh, in the business world, um, yeah. if you're, especially if it's professional services, they seem to uh, prefer to work with people they know. Because it's funny, I was I was just down. Uh, Layla had training. Um, it was down in Black Rock, where Black Rock Rugby Club play. Yeah, in Stradbrook. Stradbrook. Yeah, I think that's yeah. And I looked at the ba- the you know the advertisements all around the pitch. Yep. And it was all accountancy firms. Um, you know, corporate finance firms, uh, big businesses, yeah. and it was just interesting that they were it was such a small little, little, little club, really, in in, in, the, in the scheme of things. But all, all the sponsors that that it had obviously correlate to where all these people from BlackRock are going to after they uh, graduate. Exactly, and because a lot of the times um, there's it's not a big differentiation between professional services. It does. It's uh, it's a who you know game. So say if you're a, a solicitor, uh, maybe solicitor that can be more of a nuance. But say if you're an accountant, accounting firm, like I can pay somebody to do the accounts, and somebody else do the accounts, and will they not be the exact same because it's regulated? <laughs> what's the what's the difference? Yeah, <laughs> do you mean like, like I mean the outcome is different for most people. I know service and all that type of stuff, but like what you're buying from them a lot of uh, there's a lot of substitutes so somebody that i would prefer or someone that i grew up with obviously i'm going to give them the business mm. rather than somebody who has the best uh, google adwords mm. do you know what I mean? yeah if i'm outside yeah. of that uh, network then fine i'll find somebody online and there's lots of people like that but the the best uh, best networks are the most the strongest ne- networks are the ones that are ones that you don't really control so that's that's one area the second mm-hmm. one is uh weak links uh, that they talk about in the book. So weak links are those ones that you, those people that you kind of know that you would have the ability to reach out to to get information for, get connected by. A lot of the time, the weak links are ones that we develop that we that lead to success later on, but we don't even realize either at the time they weren't on purpose, or we don't realize at the end um, how that worked. And I'll give you a good example. When I was reading this, uh, something really came to me. Um, so I've been working in HubSpot for three and a half years um well a little bit over that uh had a great time there you know it's been it gave me the ability to buy a nice house all that type of stuff really um really successful there right um one of my wife's best friends husband we met him in uh, vietnam and a beach town and he did, told me about hubspot that that was a weak link at the time we, mm. and that has had a huge impact on my life True. Mm-hmm. So the the book basically says that a lot of the weak links that we build, we don't really think about how important they're going to be. So 
it basically says you should make sure to put effort into weak links as well. So meet as much people as you can. But that's kind of advice that everyone says. But how do you take action on that? Uh, for me, um, since I read, uh, started to read this book, even in work, I'm starting to book time with people that I don't know uh, and work to see how we can collaborate on things. I'm trying mm. to, I'm trying to talk to as many people I don't know as possible. Mm. Do you um, I think that's a good way to start because then we never know when that's going to come back into your kind of your you know help you in the future or maybe you'll help them it talks also about super connectors so super connectors are those people um and it talks about they can't really it's, it's difficult one to kind of become better at but super connectors are the people who put people in touch with people i mean all those people in in our lives and they become very powerful <laughs> because everyone knows them a favor everyone knows them you know business or whatever um mm. so that I, is a job for some people you know they're can, they connect people you know do the in- introduction an introducer you know exactly mm. um but I'm, I'm thinking of one person in particular who you, know, you can't get on the dart with him because every single person knows him and everyone that bumps into him he has he has somebody that he's going to reach out and connect them with so you walk another road with them he'll bump into somebody and they'll say oh how's it going how's that project oh yeah i must get you on to x so and so he'll help you with that that person like it's a difficult thing to um to to become because it's kind of like a personality trait but if you it takes time i would imagine you know as you get older you know more people you you know um better reputation it's a good habit to do is i always think i try to do that a lot is actually connect people and i'm i'm actually getting no benefit of it out of it yeah but i know it's just a it's kind of a karma thing yeah exactly that's what the book's kind of saying as well because you've you've strengthened those uh, those ties as well, right? Um, yeah. That's why if anybody ever asked me for uh, a recommendation into HubSpot, I always do that and then I always, always try to really help them because if you help somebody get a job, that's a big impact on someone's life. Do yeah, you? I do it for a living. Yeah, you do it for a living. So you know, <laughs> this is an ad for uh, for Darwin Hawking. Okay, so basically the, the last type of network is uh, Hubs, which is kind of like your kind of web of network that you're in if you're in college, if you're in jobs and stuff like that. It talks about if you're in a negative hub, you know, take steps to get out of that. Um, what would be a negative hub? Um, say if you're working for a, a large financial institution in Ireland and everyone is negative around you, but oh, okay. you don't know anybody outside that f- sphere on a day-to-day basis. So yeah. take steps to get out of that, get into a more positive hub yeah. of, of networking. And basically, that's the end of the book. So guys, skip... <laughs> 350 pages or whatever um i would say out of 10 i'm giving that a five okay that's harsh is it what do you think i don't know well it's 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 what you get from it you know just network more okay next maybe maybe you knew a lot already to do it and you didn't get as much value because you just had a lot of information yeah already absolutely okay so last book on the list of koshtober 2020 um mark's got it got it there um it's the one where unreasonable success and how to achieve it um there's the one that's out now it came out a couple of months ago um at the at first when i start reading it mark i don't generally generally love books where they lean a lot on detailed um examples that go on for pages and pages right and i think that at the beginning, that kind of put me off a little bit when he was introducing the 12 protagonists in this uh, in this book. Um, people like Margaret Thatcher, Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, um, uh, was it <laughs> yeah, we'll, John we'll, of Tarsus or whatever? What was it? 
Your man Paul, Paul of Tarsus. Yeah, St. Paul. Didn't, what, yeah. what did he do? He spread Christianity to the Romans. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, no, some of them, I'll just get, I'll list out some of the people that, that are involved, um, that are in the book. So Winston Churchill, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, Walt Disney, Bob Dylan, Einstein, uh, Victor Frankl, J.K. Rowling, as you said, Steve Jobs, Lennon, Madonna, Mandela, um, Margaret Thatcher. There's yeah. a few. There's a few. So basically, he, in the book, he links a a a group of uh, you know aspects of people's success or how how they're achieving this, these successes uh, to all of those people. So I believe he says like all of those people uh, go through all of these different phases. What are the phases that are? Yeah, so they are to achieve, and now this is not to just to achieve success, it's unreasonable success. So it's obviously a, a huge difference. Yeah. Um, self-belief, Olympian expectations, transforming experiences, one breakthrough achievement, testing, testing. Yeah, you're all good, you're all good. Um, sorry, so number three was transforming experiences, one breakthrough achievement, Make make your own trail, find and drive your personal vehicle, thrive on setbacks, acquire unique intuition, and distort reality. Ooh, I like that last one, distorting reality. So, what's his point there? What is he trying to say? Like, uh, everyone is working in in a box, and distorting reality is kind of like saying, you know, that you can do something completely different than the the norm. What's it going to take there? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Okay, <laughs> so Mark, like I, like I was, like I was saying, I like this. This book kind of grew on me as I as I went through it, and I think that it does tie into some of the other books that we he has written before, uh, mm-hmm. 20 stuff. Um, you know, uh, blazing your own trail. You know, working for yourself as early as possible, bringing in people to fill the gaps, all that type of stuff. Um, what what what's your overall impression of the book? Did you enjoy it? Do you think it was a good read? Would you recommend it to people? Yeah, no, I thought it was a really good read. Um, they're based. It's obviously based on principles that he's that he's uh, discovered by finding out about people through their biographies or autobiographies and stuff like that, and their achievement, their public achievements. But um, the best way. Okay, guys, that was a, a bit of a technical difficulty. We haven't had a tech problem since early 2020 so we've been doing well but we're we're back now me and mark were just having a chat about uh the final book on our list which is the um the uh, unreasonable success and how to achieve it um we were talking like we we're just about to talk about mark uh giving it the thumbs up or the thumbs down who who's the book for would you recommend it to people what's what's your take mark yeah i really like the book really did um and i actually listened to a few podcasts where he was talking about it and promoting it yeah. Um, and I like the anecdotal way he does it, you know, going through their, their life, each individual, um, and gives practical, practical examples. <clears throat> I do think that all these people probably 90% of, of the, the factors that they, ha- they have, they had it naturally, you know, okay. most of them, I'd say they, they knew that, you know, certain ones would actually make a difference. So they tried to, to, uh, orchestrate that in their favor, but I, most of these people seem to have this, all these factors, characteristics naturally, but it's like, how do you um, create or, or manufacture these to suit you when you're not naturally like that? Like if you, if you look through them, self-belief, 
he cautious Andy. You can, it's actually not too late to to uh, manufacture self belief and, and create self belief in, in an older in an older person. But it does start in childhood. We all know that. You know, yeah. um, Steve Jobs, he was he was adopted, but and you know, people say that he he felt abandoned and always wanted control because of that. But he actually denied that. He said that he was told that he was chosen. Wow. He was his his parents, adoptive parents, sat him down slowly and carefully told him, "We chose you out of all the other ones." So he felt special from day one. Yeah. Almost messianic at times. Wow. But that was that was his that was just him. And then he went to India to get enlightened and all and he said, said he was enlightened. But so I do think as a parent that's important to, to know. And we talked about it before. You know, I was told I could be anything, I could be a doctor. Never wanted to be a doctor. But yeah. that was the pinnacle. Yeah. That For- most people, you know, in the nineties or whatever <laughs> thought, you know, you could be as a doctor. So I've always held that with me. Um, so self-belief, I'm not sure how you can create self-belief as a, as a 30, 30 something year old man. What do you think? So this, it's kind of the, it's what I didn't like it, but this was my, not my least favorite of his books, but it wasn't one that I really liked. It's a little bit kind of Monday morning quarterback a little bit. Uh, for yeah. for people who don't really follow that uh, suggestion, is like kind of like saying, okay, this is why they won, but you couldn't have said that beforehand. Um, it, do you know what I mean? Like, so if I if I sat down with uh, Winston Churchill as a child and be like ticking the box, this guy has self belief. He's got, you know, he's gonna blaze his own trail. Do you know it, he wasn't trying to do that. That was kind of a natural thing. So one of the things that I think that is difficult about this, and it is difficult for me. Gen- generally and i think for a lot of people is to think as li- think of life as a long-term project all right so in the book he maps out this is the map to unreasonable success that map will take years to to achieve or to get to the the pot of gold or the treasure map or the treasure of the map right and mm. it's, it's kind of the same thing as we were talking i know we've talked about this a lot in the podcast because it made a big impact on me the michael houghton podcast we did where mm-hmm. it, trying to think in 20 year uh time frames of i know if i want to be financially independent when i'm 50 i have to do all of these bits and pieces now but it's so hard to do something every month for a long-term play long-term plays and since you know i'm I'm going to be having a a child soon please god and it's since that since that i've been getting way better at the thinking in the long term like it's really opened me up where life goes on beyond tomorrow do you know what i mean yeah and i i've never really thought thought long term with anything that i did so when i look at that when i look at that book that you're talking about there compared to say the 80 20 principle that i can take action today on if I do mm. an analysis and say, okay, this is what happened. This is what's happening with the business, right? But those those types of books where it's a long-term play, I get excited about it. Same with the fucking four-hour work week that we were obsessed with. It's been on every holiday I've ever been on. That That's a long-term play. It's, like it even says it in the book. It's like, it's going to take at least six months to put this in action, to get uh, a muse up to up and running. And I, I think back and I'm like, I've never tried that for six months. I've never, <laughs> do you know what I mean? 
commitment for long term for a strategy is very difficult for me and i think a lot of people so those books are great to read i think about mandela and i'm like this is great i love mandela no but he's <laughs> he's analyzing their he's starting at the end with them and, and going back and saying why did they get to the unreasonable su- su- success the, yeah. the, that success didn't actually necessarily come at the end of their careers we just got to know them at the end you know and study the, the, especially people from history but you can the, the principles that were involved to, that helped make them who they were you can act on them now yeah. self-belief like the quicker you act on that the better olympian expectations for sure how you act that you need that right now you know yeah. uh transforming experiences that that was a fluke for them but he's saying you can actually orchestrate your transforming experience by seeking it i and i i 100% agree with him there there is a, there is a a way of you can manufacture a break in your life if it's not going well you need to do something different whether that is the steve's jobs thing where he goes to india takes acid or whatever Mm. he did there (laughs) or i'm not saying that anyone should do that but i'm saying like for me it was going to south america for four months i've never been the same that Mm. it got me out of the the hub that i was in that we that he talks about in super connectors all that type of stuff but that was a i've never been the same since i came back from that that break mm. do you know what I mean so what does Matthew McConaughey call them walkabouts I believe yeah that's another thing I read his book uh his audiobook um that's another podcast maybe but it was good but it was a lot of the st- same stuff that we talked about in our podcast actually okay I'm not do you saying reckon that, he heard do you reckon he heard uh I think he might have bo- based his book on uh <laughs> our, <laughs> our podcast maybe. no it is good though if, if you if someone wants like an easy listen um he's a good storyteller I'd say definitely download it if you got if you want to download it for free, you can uh, use our affiliate link <laughs> in the thing below. Okay, but Mark, we got to wrap this up. Um, so, out of the four books, which are your which one? How do you rank them for people? Um, I would say eighty twenty yeah. first. I would say close enough one between um, unreasonable success and and um, star principle. I'd actually go with unreasonable success. Wow, nice. Yeah, I'd be the opposite now. I, th- I think the star one is, it, it, it's more of my my cup of tea. Do you know? Mm. Um, I like the I like almost the, like a workbook. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do think there's, there's such valuable lessons to be to be found in uh, historical figures who've gone gone on and done big things. Like yeah, a lot of, a lot of people, even with looking at like CEOs or people who've done big things they're a bit odd 100%. you know sometimes i think i'm too normal and we've discussed this you know like you can actually feel like maybe if it was a bit more odd i'd actually got that thing done and i actually built that thing whatever it was do you ever think that i often think like when i worked for a canadian tech startup the the ceo was mad mm. there was as my mom would say there was there was a want there <laughs> But yeah. and I'm not saying that you need to be a sociopath or psychopath not or even, have those tendencies. Not even it's psychopath. Like I'm just saying, if, just if you could just act on certain things like the way they did and weren't in fear of of repercussions, yeah, for some, whatever it is. There's, I think, the biggest takeaway there is if you could act without fear. I just think the amount of things that you could get done, your mm. your life would be completely different if you weren't afraid. Say. You know, if people are in work and they're not, they're not afraid to stand up for different things, so 
like you said to your boss wants you to do something this way and you just go I'm not doing it that's a waste of time let's let's do it mm. this way instead or let me do it this way I'll show you that it's better yeah no everyone's afraid to do that they just yeah. put the head down oh I just can't wait it's Thursday fuck Friday tomorrow you know yeah and on that bomb extreme, show, I think another thing like <laughs> with with, the, with this book it was like extreme having extreme focus on one thing I think um, for a long period of time is important you, you can't just unless you're Donald Trump just wing it all the way to the top <laughs> man <laughs> talk about unreasonable success I don't think there's any any person in history that has been as successful versus the inputs or versus the that I get like we, we, I know it's a controversial subject but it, it, being the president of the United States by any measure is the most successful that you can be uh, not by any measure mm-hmm. but a lot of people's measures um, if you actually look at these things these principles involved um, the lesson like they're actually he, he actually takes a lot of them distorting reality anyway sure <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> um, okay cool so this is the first time in a long time we've done a Whopper podcast um, here with uh, with Koshtober I actually I enjoyed doing this I kind of um, I, I thought I'd have more time in October to do this um, so I well, we got it all done. We kind of pushed it out a week or two extra. Um, but um, I think we'll do something like this in October next year as well. I think it was it's worthwhile uh, doing these types of things. Um, if you guys are listening out there and you wanted to follow along um, or if you had anything you wanted to tell us about those books that you've read, if you have any difference of opinions or anything, um, you can reach us at luke at shark.ie. Um, we've got loads of guests uh, lined up um, over the next few weeks up to Christmas. Um, and then we'll hit our goal of doing 52 um uh, shark pods which we set out to do at the beginning of the of the year will we continue into 2021 you Absolutely. bet your ass uh we're <laughs> gonna be doing that you're not gonna get rid of us that easy okay guys keep on keep on moving forward keep swimming get after it don't mind these uh at these lockdowns and stuff like that we'll figure it out pfizer have a, a have a uh, a vaccine ready for us pfizer ceo sold 60 percent of his shares that day which is for me is a tough one but uh let's let's uh keep the hope alive mark talk soon thanks and well <laughs>